Hello? Hi, it's Robert. Do you want to be on the show? Never call me again. Hello, welcome. My name is Robert, and this is Never Call Me Again. My good friend Brian Wesley Nutt, the second, is a painter, musician, and UFO enthusiast. Let's give him a call. Hello. Brian, welcome back to the show. How's it going, man? Not too bad. <laughs> not too bad. And so for anybody that's confused by, by welcome back to the show, we've, we've actually recorded together before. And so, you know, last time, because of your incessant cussing and, and just overall, you know, questionable <laughs> behavior, we, um, you know, we listened to the recording. It was amazing. Um, it was really honest and, and, and just kind of, you know, more than anything, I think an opportunity for us to, to really get to know each other. And, and so that was pretty amazing. Um, Brian, you, um, you're a pretty accomplished artor, artist um, on, on a couple of levels. And so you're a, you're a painter and um, a musician. How did that, how did that yeah. start? Um, it actually started in reverse. Um, I've wanted to play guitar my entire life. Um, begged and pleaded for a guitar until I was about 15 and then my parents finally uh, well my mom actually finally put two and two together and went I'll just get him the guitar <laughs> and uh, I've been at it uh, ever since I'm 36 now I've been playing guitar since I was 15 I'm self-taught um, I got ADHD so it really helps me meditate uh, focus on you know uh, something other than five thoughts at once. Uh, right. But I, I've been at it for a very long time. Um, it's gone through several different phases. Um, you know, it started out uh, me playing for me because I wanted to and turned into, uh, I don't know, I guess, you know, every musician goes through about where they get attention for being a musician. And, uh, started I guess it kind of turned into a little bit of a crutch uh, for attention and now it's you know circled way back to I just do this for me I do it because I love it and uh, now um, the music that I write uh, brings me a lot of peace and gave me the idea that uh, I wanted to bring a lot of other people peace as well with it so my uh, entire writing style has changed. I, I would even go so far as to say, uh, you know, uh, uh, the heaviness has changed. I, I don't know how to put that. I, I've been a metalhead for a very long time, <laughs> pretty much my whole life. But progressive metal has always been my favorite stuff. But um, I have a, I have a, it kind of felt like I was forcing something that wasn't there for a long time. Uh, just playing metal, playing heavier stuff, and. I've always been told that my clean melodic stuff is is the uh, is where it's at, so to speak. So, no, uh, that's that's what I started to focus on and try to channel that, you know, and practice that and get and more tune with that. And uh, it was about well, I want to say six years ago, uh, just through living with an artist uh, herself, she's very very talented but also one of those uh, very shy 
people that doesn't promote their work, doesn't put it out there for everybody to see. Um, for her, I think it's more afraid of what the world would think of her art and doesn't know if she could handle like rejection or criticism. I don't know what that is. That's just my opinion. Uh, but I've lived with her for about two years and kind of got inspired that way and you know, started painting and, uh, I started out with spray paint. I, I believe on the on the last episode we we uh, talked about that the last time I was in the show. Um, I got my start with all that, but uh, it's been it's been quite a journey. Um, really, wouldn't go so far as to say I'm accomplished um, outside of one aspect. I mean, I I do uh, sell uh, more volume, I guess. Um, if I had to say anything, you know, I I try to. That's a that's the thing about me. I I I don't want my uh, artwork to be. Um, I, I want it to be affordable for your your common man or woman. You know, like I, I want people to be able to afford to have the artwork in their house. So I don't set these stupid, ridiculous prices that a lot of people do. You know, a lot of artists do. You know, thousands of dollars, ten thousand dollars for this this canvas. You know, I just try to uh, get enough back to re-up on my supplies, maybe take care of some bills, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, you know, it's interesting um, because I actually have one of your songs and I'm going to play it here in a little while on the show. A few things that you said, you know, the, you know, the, the whole getting attention thing, I, you know, it, you almost wonder, is, is it even possible to be an artist and not be an attention whore. And so you kind of answered that in that, you know, you have the sex roommate who really was kind of, you know, kind of shy and maybe insecure about sharing the work. And, and that really, I, I think that's very understandable. Um, good art is really representative of the artist and the artist's experience and interpretation. And so it really, you know, is a, is, is a glimpse in, in, into that individual. Um, it's a part of them. It's, it's, very much having a, a piece of that person in your home or, or wherever it is you're going to display this or enjoy this. And so that definitely makes sense. And, and so one of the other things you talked about was um, going through this transition. And, and so when knowing you and, and, and seeing your previous work and, and kind of having a sense of who you kind of are and, and, and some of the music that I know that you listen to, I, I really... When, when you shared your song with me, I, I honestly really expected something else. Something maybe <laughs> somewhere in between Ozzy and Primus. And, and that's not what I got. What I got, though, uh, was really... And, and so when I thought about your music combined with your, your painting style, there, there seems to be this really interesting continuity in your work from, from painting to music. I, I almost want to be at an exhibit in an observatory, looking at your paintings while listening to your music play softly in the background. Was that intentional? I don't, you know, honestly, um, it wasn't overtly uh, uh, intentional. Um, in fact, I mean, much like every other artist, you know, I listen to um, varying genres of music while I'm painting, um, but mostly I, I listen to really melodic metal you know not to name names or whatever but you know my uh some of my favorite bands to listen to while i'm painting are like uh, the band era or uh, monuments is probably like 
top five. Obviously, uh, I'm a huge um, Tool and a Perfect Circle fan, uh, Pink Floyd, stuff that really takes you on a trip, really takes you on a on a journey while you're listening to the music. Stuff that has progressive changes in it, you know, from highs to lows to different emotions and opening up different kind of chakras as it goes along the way. And I guess that just kind of um, unfolded into the to the work. I, I there was a time that I did an experiment um, when I first back when I first got my loop station. Um, I was able to do a lot of layering with my guitars, and for the first time ever, I was actually able to write a a rhythm section for myself, and then write like the the counterpart guitar part to that, you know, the melody to go along with it. And uh, it was very interesting. I decided to uh, just keep it on loop and paint some things. And it turned out really cool. But, you know, obviously listening to the same thing over and over for hours on end gets a little monotonous and you got to change it up. So to, I guess, better answer your question or simplify the answer. <laughs> no, it wasn't oh, overtly uh, on purpose. It just kind of happened. You mentioned you, know I mean? um, you mentioned the word journey, and um, you know that's kind of the the sense when I when I look at your paintings, they they really do kind of emphasize this possibility of of travel of of a journey of of going somewhere, and and so much of what you do is you know landscapes, moons, the skies, the you know um, the stars, and and so almost always at night very um they seem to be very you know influenced by by space and by time and by travel and and your music really has that same sense and um and so i i i I, and so when i listen to your music and i look at your work and and i think about who you are or or who you are just in my mind you know oftentimes we we will we will look at someone very much on the surface and we we decide who they are we decide where they fit in and and you know this is your slot and and please don't move out of that that will make me uncomfortable and we talked a lot about um your personality being you know really represented in in work and and, and i think that's the case for a lot of artists is that very much of who they are is in their work brian would you mind if we played the song Oh, that'd be that'd be great. Yeah, let's let's listen to it and and see if we can kind of get that sense of who you are.
And so that was Starpath. Um, tell me about the piece, man. What inspired it? Um, what was your What was your role in this piece? Because this is a collaboration, correct? Oh yes. Um, you know, really, one hundred percent. What made that song was the the other half that that created that. My buddy Alan Larson, one of my best friends. Um, he's the only other band member in our project, Meridian Wells, and he just took something that that I was in love with, um, something I wrote on my loop station by myself. There's actually like four layers of guitar on there, and he kind of re-pieced it together and, and broke down and added the beautiful piano and other pieces to that, and 100% what inspired that is I was going through a, a, a really interesting transitional period um i i had started seeing a therapist i had quit drinking um and alan's one of the best people i know like if you're trying to you know quit drinking like (laughs) and get your get your shit together uh he'll be the first person you'd want to call if you were struggling with that and fortunately i didn't have the struggles that um, unfortunately addicts or people that suffer from alcoholism have, I didn't go through withdrawals or any of that. Um, but I found myself in this, um, this place of peace, absolute, just, just peace. I I have no idea how to explain it. I was in a a mindset of serenity when I wrote that and I I listened to it over and over and over and over and I, I couldn't stop. And I decided to take the loop station to the recording studio as it were and, and have Alan, you know, do his thing to it. And the final product, man, it's, it's one of my favorite things I've ever done. Um, as yeah, far as music is concerned, it's pretty amazing. And, and, you know, it's pleasantly unexpected, you know, um, we, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, sometimes how easy it can be to, to, you know, define someone, assign, um, you know, a, a role in, in your perception for who they are. And so, you know, music and art is, is definitely, you know, one of the best ways to, to really truly get to know somebody and, and, and see that, you know, maybe there are some similarities that you, you weren't aware of, um, and, and really get a sense of, of who that individual is, you know, just all the way, you know, as thoroughly as possible. Um, I, I think it's absolutely beautiful. It, um, I definitely can, can, can see the calmness of it. And, and, you know, it's just really an unbelievable piece and it's, it's incredibly unexpected. And I, and I think that's one of the things that makes it so wonderful. And so you're venturing into, to oil paints. How's that going? Uh, honestly, man, I haven't even started yet. Um, I've kind of taken a hiatus from art past three weeks or so. I just have, uh, I guess I got to a mindset. I I have so much work that's available for purchase that I'm running out of room. (laughs) I don't even have room on my walls for uh, all the work, you know, because like I said, you know, I do this less for the money and more for myself. Um, it, It is nice to get sales. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to beat around the bush. As an artist, it's wonderful when you're selling work for, for a couple different reasons. And it's not just monetary like everyone would think. Um, 
it's nice to get a sale. It's nice to have money. Um, but the other thing that a lot of people don't think about uh, in that equation is how good you feel that somebody wanted your your vision so much that they were willing to give you traded hours of their life in the form of cash just to be able to see it every day. And I think that's forgotten in in a huge sense in this market. A lot of people think that posting ads, uh, you know, for a sale that you have going on as an artist is, is solely to get money. It's, it's to get your name out there. It's to get your artwork out there. It's to try to, shock and awe people try to bring them peace art is so expansive and emotion and and the emotion that you get from it you know there there's just so many so many different ways to instill or derive an emotion from a piece um that i that in itself is why i decided to take a break i just have i have so much um art just piling up and i didn't want to go ahead and start experimenting with this until after the holidays so for the first time ever i kind of gave myself a little bit of a break um instead of having that constant artist mindset that i gotta i gotta paint something new every fucking day or i'm gonna be forgotten right you know i just i finally got comfortable with the idea that it's okay for me to take a break people that love my work aren't gonna forget me it's okay and sometimes it's necessary you got to take a break from shit every once in a while. Take a step back. And it gives you more perspective, too. So when you do come back to the table, you're coming back with a new mindset or a new emotion, a new mental state that, that you found yourself in. Exactly. That makes sense. And so your, your work, and I will, when I, when I put this, when I post this show, I will, I will put a link down in the show notes so that people can go. Um, but your work, can be seen um, on your Facebook artist page, which is Orbium Sky Art, and um, and I'm actually there right now, and so I'm looking at your stuff, and, and and so the very first picture, once you go down to photos that shows up, and here it's under mobile uploads, is mm-hmm. this is a table, and you yeah. um you have you have worked extensively on on a lot of different types of surfaces, whether it's been canvas, whether it's been, you know, tabletops, how did the, how did the tabletop thing, how did that start? Um, well, uh, when I first started painting, um, obviously materials for artwork are absolutely expensive. I mean, like it's, it's ridiculous. It's not as bad as like a car hobby or music equipment but it can get really expensive. And my roommate who is, you know, kind of the fire under my ass for all of this to keep going and, and see where I could go with all of this. He worked for the city at the time. He got me, I want to say 50 or a hundred, no parking signs to paint on the back of. So that, oh, nice. you know, the metal metal surface was really one of the first surfaces I worked on. It was uh, wood and then metal. And then I, went from that to canvas um, after trying foam board, but uh, I had screwed up and bought the wrong foam board. Um, and what had happened was it had uh, basically uh, kind of turned soggy on me, started rippling the second it uh, 
the very second that the spray paint touched the foam, it just started rippling up. You know, it just wasn't the right surface. But anyway, a long story short is uh, about a year later, I ended up working for a cabinet shop um, out in Lewisburg. Um, I was fortunate enough to learn a lot while I was there. And um, I started repurposing wood that they would have no use for and have to throw away. And in doing that, it gave me varying different sizes of canvas that I made out of wood. Uh, and I was able to frame everything as well while I worked there. You know, like I said, these are all scrap pieces I'd run through the table saw to get even. Um, I was able to use a industrial framing machine to, to frame everything together. And it just kind of got to a point where I got the idea in my head. I was like, what if I put my artwork on furniture? Like, that could be really cool. It's a great conversation starter, you know, and uh, it'd be something that somebody could always look at and maybe cheer them up. Or, you know, you, you've been, if you've ever been sitting on your couch and daydreaming, you know, going on a little trip in your head, you know, you like look at the table and go on a little trip. And that that's essentially what inspired that. And my brother, um, as a collective with others, started finding me like furniture on Marketplace. Uh, he would find me coffee tables just on the side of the road and pick them up. Um, and, you know, it, it takes a lot of work to take something like a used coffee table and reinforce it, glue everything back together, tighten every nut and screw back down, sand everything down, add your layer of kills paint so that you can spray paint on top of it you know there's a lot of work that goes into them and that, that's why there's so few and it's not that i'm afraid of hard work i'm not but obviously i don't have much space to store them in and they don't get bought as often as you know a canvas because you know a lot of people want their you know living room furniture to go together they want everything to match Right. Yeah, you know, it makes it, it really excites me when somebody does buy one because it means that they don't want everything to be, you know, picture like cookie cutter perfect. They want some a, a little bit of chaos in their life, you know. But uh, yeah, that's just how I how I roll. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll find one, pick it up, polish her down, and uh, give her a really cool abstract or landscape feel to them um i can two right now one is a landscape that i'm really proud of it turned out really really wonderful and the other one's very abstract based on uh um, a screw up i guess as bob ross would say a happy accident <laughs> um and it ended up with 12 cans of spray paint over the top of it wow yeah, as you know, sometimes it's it's you know those unintentional things, um, screw ups, happy accidents, whatever we call them. Um, you know, sometimes those those end up our favorite pieces, and and hopefully someone else's favorite piece, and and ends up, you know, in their home, in their life. Um, you know, and, and you know the thing is, is with art, um, you know, art is very subjective, and so so what I enjoy or, or someone else enjoys, you know, isn't always for for everyone. You know, there's there's a, a lot of my work over over the you know time that I was creating that you know some people really liked, and, and other people were just like, eh, 
You know, I've, I've, I've even had people go on and publicly say, well, you know, you can do better. And, and that's a little, little hard to swallow. And, and, you know, the honesty is, is that sometimes I, I produced work that maybe wasn't my best. And so, but I, with you, I see this level of consistency of, you know, um, you are a true artist and, and so you create and you experiment and, and you explore who you are and, and, you know, you, you, you tend to, to overcome things and knock down, you know, these, these limitations and these, these, you know, walls of, of definition. And, 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 and that's one of the things represented in your art that, that I really enjoy is that you are, you are not necessarily confined to, to anything very specific, you know, um, you know, a lot of people without a canvas would just not paint, um, or figure out how to get a canvas. And, and, and you did, you figured out how to get something to work on that, that wasn't necessarily traditional, still very amazing, just not something traditional. And, um, you know, I think a lot of times the best art is, is what is not traditional. Um, it is is what you know separates itself from everything else without you know those kind of primary colors and ended up creating two wooden uh wooden panel pieces that were just to me um they were gorgeous and it was really it was really interesting to challenge yourself like that as an artist like some artists that didn't have the color black would be like well i guess i can't paint and to me, it was like, well, I'm not going to let that limit me. I want to, I'm doing this for me. This is art therapy for me. I want to paint and I'm going to paint and I'm going to work around that. You know, um, I, I've really never let anything stop me from, from doing what I want to do. Uh, especially with art, uh, with music, um, uh, I mean, when I was a teenager and I was playing guitar, I'd snap a string or I'd snap two and I'd go, okay, we're going to see what we can do with, you know, three or four strings, but I'm not going to stop right? because I, I, I love to do it. Uh, you know, um, that's, that's what inspired painting on multiple surfaces too. You know, you run out of canvas or something and there was a, an experience that I had where I'd run out of canvas and totally decided well, screw it. You know, there's this free coffee table sitting at my neighbor's house. It's just out on the curb. It's got a for free sign on it. I grabbed it up and borrowed somebody's disc sander and went to town. And uh, that's essentially how I got my first table. Um, it was a coffee table that was just being thrown out. There wasn't a thing wrong with it. It was solid wood. It wasn't, you know, like a press board or anything like that. And I, I just decided to go with it. Like, who knows? Maybe somebody will buy it. And until they do, I'm going to have a really cool piece of art in my house. So kind of went for it. You know, I'm, I'm looking at one of your pieces right now. And, and so I don't see a name for it. But I'm going to describe the piece to you. And, and so it is uh, a large gray and blue moon, um, kind of center of the canvas, shooting star. Um, there is a little girl on a, on a tree swing with a, a cat on a fence post. And, and so, ah. right. Looking at what's amazing yeah. to me is, you know, until we, until we talked the first time, you know, and so I'd, I'd been a huge fan of your work 
Um, I knew that they, they were paintings. And, and so we had talked a little, I didn't know that you were, that they were spray paintings. And so what's interesting is there's, um, there is a hell of a lot more detail in your work than, than what I would expect. And so, you know, we're just sitting here, you know, no one can see us. They can't see your work right now. I'm going to absolutely put, you know, links to everything that you're doing in the, in the show notes, because I want people to be able to go and, and really participate in this conversation and be able to, to have that visual understanding of, you know, what we're talking about. Your, um, your work is amazingly detailed considering, I mean, this is done with a spray can and I'm thinking, you know, um, you know, my, I, and so I've tried spray paints, um, not my strong suit. Um, you know, I definitely, I definitely know and respect my, my limitations. And I look at this, I'm just like, how in the hell did he do this, you know, in this way? And so to me, that's, that's really what art is about is, is taking something, you know, that may be very traditional. And so there are absolutely a lot of artists that work with spray paint. There are a lot of artists that work with oils. There are a lot of digital artists. There are not a lot of artists that work in the mediums you work in with a canvas, with, with wood, with metal, with spray paint that are getting the, the sharp lines, are getting the, the detail, the, the blending of colors. Um, and so this is, um, you know, you can, you can see the, the starlit sky and, you know, the, the color blending throughout is really fucking stellar considering you did this with a spray can. Thank you. Um, that, that's one of my favorite aspects of, of painting. My favorite part of painting is color blending a background or a foreground. It's my favorite. I love experimenting with that, seeing what colors would go really well with, you know, what you typically wouldn't see with other colors. It's one of my favorite things to do. And sometimes it turns out awesome. Sometimes it turns out garbage to me. Um, but it's never, it's never stopped me from like posting it anyway, you know, just getting it out there. Everybody is different. Much like our biology is different from one person to the next or our tastes. Um, and, and you never know. You, you may find a client that that piece you're not so happy with is going to totally resonate with. Uh, it's going to resonate with them to their core and can't, they're not going to be able to stop until they have the piece. But yeah, color, color blending is absolutely my favorite. Um, and the attention to detail in pieces is very important to me. Like I said, I'm, I'm borderline obsessive compulsive and I have ADHD. So when I'm focused on something, it has a hundred percent of my attention. I can't, I, I, uh, it's to the point where I can't even carry on a conversation with somebody really if I'm painting because it's, it's just really hard to focus on the two um, because I feel like my art deserves a hundred percent of my attention. That's um, and, and so our listeners don't know, but I'm going to tell them, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of put you on blast. Um, you, you can't do anything else while you're you're painting but you can absolutely make soup during my podcast and so you're at your house i'm at my <laughs> house and and i know and so the last time you and i talked 
you were making soup. And, and so <laughs> it's, you know, the thing is, is it's going to become this unhealthy obsession of anytime you make soup, you're going to be like, I really just need to talk to Robert right now. And you're going to call me <laughs> yeah. up. We're going to end up re recording. Um, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have a great conversation. I'm going to be sitting here soupless and, you know, uh, <laughs> You know, you know, maybe we just don't have any class and that's fine um, because you have amazing art, whether it's whether it's musical, whether it's, you know, your canvases, your 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 furniture pieces. You're just such an interesting guy. Now, I, I'm looking here actually at the top of your personal Facebook page and it says just patiently, patient, just maybe I can speak clearly. Just patiently, <laughs> I know, waiting for the aliens to take me back home. And I saw a post a few weeks ago, uh, something t along the lines of, of, you know, aliens coming to get you. And so I don't know if, if you maybe have some, you know, you have an inside line, you maybe have some knowledge that maybe some of us don't. But is, is this like a buddy system? Can you bring a friend? <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> I mean... It's nice in theory to, you know, to think, especially if uh, anyone has grown up like we have, you know, uh, you're, if you've lived a rough childhood um, and dealt with any kind of form of people not accepting you so much into society as a, what they would perceive as a normal human, uh, a normal kid or whatever. We are odd. When you, you definitely develop kind of a sense that you, you feel like an alien on this planet. You know, like maybe you don't belong here um, to an extent. So, you know, that's what that, uh, that headline really means. It's just like patiently waiting to go home. Um, because for the longest time, I didn't feel like planet Earth was my home. Um, just my, my line of thinking how compassionate I am about just humanity or being a humanist in, in and of itself. I've always been able to give somebody a need the shirt off my back if they needed it too. Um, and when you grow up in a struggle, as you know, because we both did, you know, that's how we would want to be treated. Um, and that's just, that's just part of how you live your life every day. But it, it, it's funny that you bring that up. Um, patiently waiting for the aliens to take me home because last year going through this, uh, you know, spiritual kind of transition, you know, um, reading self-help books and stuff like that, what I would consider to be a self-help book, uh, like, um, Eckhart Tolle's the power of now or, uh, anything by Alan Watts, Terrence McKenna, you know, anything that, uh, talks about meditating, quieting the ego, you know, actually getting to another plane of existence in your meditation, things like that. Uh, I, I got kind of got transformed in all that. Um, started reading into the power, you know, the, the law of attraction and how that works and how much, you know, energy and concentration that actually does take. Um, I'm still in the process of making a vision board for all that as well. You know, seeing what you want, taking the action setting uh, deadlines for your goals and, and achieving all that. And like we talked about earlier um, on our last episode, you know, 
COVID kind of stifled a lot of that for a lot of people. I think the only people that have actually benefited from this pandemic are corporations. You know, uh, they made out like bandits. But right. getting back to the getting back to the the main point of that, a um, couple nights ago, I, I I'd watch. Have you ever seen the documentary Unacknowledged with Dr. Stephen Greer? I have not. Where where is it available? Uh, it'd be on Amazon Prime. Um, I think Netflix still has it on there, or you may check Hulu. It could be on there too. Yeah. Luckily, because of the pandemic and and just overall boredom and laziness, I, I have almost all streaming platforms, so I will check it out. Well, um, I, I would definitely suggest that. It's it's all about alien disclosure, um, UFO disclosure, um, total government disclosure of of these other beings that have to me um the evidence is is very clear that they've been here from the start um there are sculptures of aliens that date back eight thousand years ago you know it's it's in their culture it's in their art it's in their sculptures it's um if you go as far back as samaria it's it's like their their ten commandments you know it's in their ten commandments so to speak so uh, it's something that has always piqued my interest, um, and I've been fascinated with. I, I've seen three UFOs in person, unidentified flying objects that I could not explain um, in the realm of physics. You, you just can't explain something that takes off at the speed of light. Um, and I found out that they have... Uh, Dr. Stephen Greer came out with a, another documentary, kind of an addendum to Unacknowledged. Um, it didn't have his name attached to it at first, so I was I was kind of skeptical. You know, when you're running through documentaries, you know, you know, you're looking for a quality topic that's filmed in quality, so to speak. And uh, I found this one. It's called um, um, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, and um, it, it's basically, you know, as well, uh, Dr. Stephen Greer being interviewed, um, pretty much the entire time, but the subject matter is, um, incredible. Eye opening. Um, I've actually heard that one opening. Um, and it's, uh, just basically a group of people. Um, I believe the group is called C5. Uh, I think that's the acronym for it anyway, uh, where these people actually go out and they meditate. And in their meditation, their focal point is to invite alien presence in the form of UFO, um, just to invite these entities, be an open vessel. And they've had tremendous, tremendous success with this. Um, it's all throughout the documentary that, you know, when these groups get together and they actually do focus all of their energy on just wanting to um, establish contact with these extraterrestrial beings, so they actually show up. <laughs> and, and to me, the whole thing is fascinating um, because after watching it, you know, I had had this theory that the second UFO that I ever saw in my life, I was living in a small town of Albion, uh, Iowa. I was 14 years old. I just discovered how to rollerblade. I was fascinated with that. I, I figured out how to rollerblade backwards. And I, I, my yard, my front yard had this ditch in it. 
And I ended up hitting a rock and falling on my back. It like actually knocked the wind right out of me. But when I fell back, it was just this open sky, open starry night sky. And I remember thinking like, what if I saw a UFO right now? How cool would that be? And then it actually fucking happened. (laughs) And after watching this documentary and having that thought process way back when I was 14, you know, it made sense. Like, um, Think about think about the process of speed of light. Okay, um, these these extraterrestrial beings come from however far. You know, and this this, this subject matter goes um, is, is actually in the documentary I'm talking about. You you really couldn't reach here. You know, our our nearest galaxy from us is Andromeda, and it's something like ten billion light years from here. And we're talking light years. You know, that's that's quite a bit. <laughs> You know, so how are they getting here? You know, one theory is wormholes. The other theory is they're using some some kind of conscious biological technology where they literally think where they want to go and just kind of are there. And I could be fumbling that up, um, the theory in and of itself up, but that was the interpretation that I took from it. Um, actually reaching a higher level of consciousness to the point where they integrated that with technology and that's one theory of how they're getting back and forth but i again i'm I'm rambling on here but i just thought the uh documentary was fascinating um it, it uh it definitely inspired me to kind of go back inside myself so to speak and and try to um start meditating more taking better care of myself as you said this is the uh the second interview we're doing where I'm making a healthy green soup, uh, a keto soup that's really, really good for you. Oh, you know, when we talked, um, I don't know, a week and a half or so ago, you had told me, you know, I'm, I'm going to be making some changes and I'm, I'm, and so I'm going to this keto diet. And so I, I knew absolutely, you know, I knew that keto was a diet I, I, and that was all I knew. And so I automatically assumed that it was it was made up of slimy green drinks with twigs sticking <laughs> out of it, and I thought, "Fuck me, this is it's not a diet; it's punishment." And so I didn't know, I didn't know, and I didn't ask um, because I didn't want to appear ignorant. And um, so I googled it, and and it's really just food. Um, yeah. It's it's healthy. It's food. It's it's balance. Um, and that's the thing is we we all you know it's it's like with the you know you were talking about UFOs, speed of light. You know, there's a um, there's a hypothetical particle um, that that travels faster than light, and so hypothetical. Um, it says they can't ex- they can't exist because um, they're not consistent with the, the known laws of physics, and it's so it's a tachyon particle. Um, and what's interesting, and and so one of the one of the the rules of this particle, um, and what makes it hypothetical, is that. It's not consistent with the known laws of physics, and so if if we if we know anything about physics, we know that the the laws of classical physics cease to to exist and make sense at the the event horizon of a black hole. And so, you know, I think absolutely, you know, looking at you know everything that is outside of of what we have right here, I think absolutely the possibility exists. I I think that. The likelihood is greater that it does than it doesn't. 
Um, you know, I personally have not seen anything. I would love to, if it, if it's there, I would absolutely love to see it. You know, I, I think probably if they do exist and they, you know, clearly are more intelligent and more advanced than we are, if they can get here and we can't get there, um, you know, they probably figure and they probably realize, you know, these conniving fuckers will judge us to death and, and, you know, you know, it just isn't worth our time. But it, it's really interesting. And and so I this is kind of something that I knew about you, and, and I kind of wanted to bait it out. Because um, I really wanted you to talk about it. And, and I, I thought people definitely, you know, I think more people than, more people do share your, your, your views and your opinions than, than those that don't. And, and what truly makes us amazing and, and you know, alike is, is our stories. I, I think that we oftentimes think that it's my story that is, is going to make me, you know, stand out and be very different and be this and be that and, and be unaccepted. And truly what it is, is our, our stories are, are those things that are going to bring us together. We're going to see those similarities. One of the things that's interesting to me and is really interesting to you, you've done a few pieces of Stonehenge. And so, and and I kind of recall that there was there's this connection this 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 feeling that you have with Stonehenge. Do you want to talk about that? Um, yeah, I mean, sure. Um, I want to go on a huge diatribe, but it it, it goes back to my early early childhood, um, way back when I was like five and six years old. As I as I originally stated, um, I've had ADHD. I got diagnosed when I was five. Um, I stayed in a place called Rainbow Mental Health so that they could study me, study ADHD. Uh, kind of felt a little bit borderline like a like a guinea pig. But uh, after I got out, um, living with my obviously my mother and um, her best friend, she had a best friend named Rose. Um, Rose was obsessed with culture. She was obsessed with history and ancient and uh, ancient mythologies, all the whole nine yards, you know, the stuff that I'm, I'm fascinated with today still. Um, and, and it's really all kind of thanks to her. Um, she was an artist as well, uh, a painter and just, a a very fascinating woman and who at the time I, I didn't really appreciate because I was a little shit when I was a kid. <laughs> and when her presence was around, I acted like uh, a well-behaved child, but when she wasn't there, I was a misbehaving little shit, just to, just to put that bluntly. Um, and I didn't really, I didn't appreciate it at the time. You know, I, uh, I, I definitely appreciated it later on in life, but she knew that I had, I had ADHD and I had a problem, um, just kind of getting fixated on something other than obsessive compulsive behaviors, like lining up my hot wheels around the perimeter of my entire room around, around the walls and, and uh, color coded, everything had to be in order. It, it all had to be in a straight line, so to speak. Um, so she kind of got me started on becoming interested in ancient Roman, Greek, and uh, Egyptian mythology. And one of the books that she first gave me, you know, uh, it had, you know, your, your literacy in it, but it also had pictures 
of these these wonderful places. And I think it was a, a book about the seven wonders of the world. It had the pyramids, it had the Sphinx, it had Stonehenge. Um, and, I, and I just remember um, the very first time that I ever saw a picture of Stonehenge, it just felt like home. I have no idea how to explain that in words. It just, I, I felt this calming feeling come over me. Seeing Just seeing a picture of it just brings me peace. I, I don't even know how to describe that to you, but just looking at it would be like a parent watching their child grow or experiencing a moment of true bliss with their kid. I mean, that, that's, that's the best I can do in, in a verbal explanation of how uh, Stonehenge really does affect me. And when I finally set out to um, give it a try, to challenge myself to paint something that brought me so much joy, initially there was some apprehension because I was, you know, uh, battling myself. Like, what if I, what if I screw this up? What if I completely jack this up? I'm going to hate myself. You know, this is something that means quite a lot to me and quite a lot to a lot of people as well. Stonehenge definitely resonates with a large number of people that are very attuned to themselves and know exactly who they are. And they're not afraid of it. And there isn't even much shrouded mystery with it for me. It's just, it just is Stonehenge, you know. Um, I don't even know if that makes sense to anyone. I, 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 I'm not even sure that I care <laughs> that it does. I think it makes but a I, lot of sense. I, uh, I sat down and, uh, you know, the first thing that I did on that piece was the background. Um, I wanted to do a beautiful galaxy arm. I set out to do something very, very colorful at first. So there was a lot of bright oranges and blues and stuff like that in there. And when I started to incorporate the black, I, I ran into a problem with a spray paint tip and it just started spitting like <laughs> all over the painting. And I, I had a moment where I almost gave up on it. I was just like, screw this. I'm just going to make this an abstract piece. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I just felt this, this calmness come over me, like this, um, a strive, like don't give up keep going this is this is going to be amazing you're going to have a wonderful experience kind of the soft thought that went through my head so i finished out the background and was absolutely ecstatic about it and much like every other artist uh hate waiting for paint to dry so i put some fans on it and ended up waiting five hours anyway because the last thing you want is to rest your the side of your palm on a wet painted surface and have to have that uh, happy accident be a tree right in the middle of Stonehenge. That wouldn't have been cool. <laughs> so I waited and I, I swear the experience that I had carving, you know, through you know, um, this process, it was actually, um, they were all, all the stones were drawn out with permanent marker first um, to the point where I was happy with them. And then um, I used these really, really cool precision black sponges with a wooden handle on them. Um, and I kind of just soaked them with uh, black spray paint, um, let a little bit of a runoff go off on them. And then I filled in my lines and um, 
after I did that, there's a little bit of a, a drying process to it, but you want to, you want to get it to where it's like a gel. Um, and then I started kind of carving out the rock literally with, uh, my tools and making it look like stone was just such a pleasure. It, it, um, the whole time I was doing this, like, um, I don't know if you've ever, uh, been on a roller coaster or had that really cool awesome feeling that you would get from like a, a swing or whatever but this is not like a cold chill it's more of uh it's just this ecstatic feeling I, I i don't even know what to call it you know it's probably a combination of oxytocin dopamine the serotonin all at once just kind of rush through your system but that's that's exactly what i felt but I didn't feel it in spurts. I felt it the entire time I carved through those stones up until the point I was finished. And when it was all said and done and the, and the painting was finally finished and I had taken a step back and taken a few photos of it and looked at those photos, it was just, it was just pure bliss. You know, uh, <laughs> I actually thought about it and I was like, man, if you could find a drug that could give, anybody the feeling that i'm feeling right now at this very moment you you would be a billionaire i think it's called <laughs> dmt no i'm serious i can definitely see that when, when you were when you were talking um about the serotonin and everything I, I was thinking is he on dmt making soup doing a podcast with me talking about <laughs> stonehenge um it's really interesting and so a lot of the questions that I've asked you in the, in the last few minutes, the per, kind of the participations that I, I kind of wanted to, to get from you have really been kind of targeted. And, and, you know, I really wanted people to get a sense of, of who you are in your work. And, and, you know, and, this, and so this is kind of my, my perception. And, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. But, you know, when I look at, you know, you, your painting and your music together, when I look at your your paintings by themselves, you know, one of the things that I see that's really interesting is, you know, there's always some sort of landscape, and then there's this beautiful sky and galaxy and, and this other world. And so they're very much are, it, it's as if, it's if, as, if, as if, if I can speak clearly, it is as if I am looking, I know, I'm looking at two worlds. I'm looking at two people. There's this duality of, you know, this is the world that I am in. This is the world that I live in, where I was, you know, born, and, and not necessarily the 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 world that I belong in. And 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 I feel misunderstood and and sometimes judged and awkward. And I I strive for a new frontier, something something different, something that's more at peace. Um, you know, which world do I belong in? And, and so there's this pull, but there's also, even with all of this emotion and, and all of this just, you know, frenetic energy, there there is still this calmness that that is there, which is, is really inviting. And, um, you know, and that's just my take, and I may be, be completely wrong and off mark, um, but it, it's just this sense that I get with you and I really want to encourage people to, to go and look at your work and to understand your work and to understand you. You know, with the pandemic, we, um, and so it is, it has closed the arts down for a lot of people, not just artists, but art lovers. And so, 
You know, I think that here coming up relatively soon, there is going to be a, a kind of a social, socially or socially distanced um, um, local artist exhibit at Union Station. I think it's called like Fling or something like that, um, where you can go and 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 so artists, you know, local artists will will be displayed. Everything is for sale. Um, they may or may not be there wearing a mask um, to, to chat with, you know, six feet apart. Um, and, and so that's possibly something, you know, that you can you can participate in. And, and so short of something like that, you know, this is this is the, the best that we can provide of here is the artist. Here is the artist's work. Here is who that person is. This is the artist talk. This is the opportunity to to really get to know and understand these individuals, and then you know go and look at the site and and you know figure out which piece you want. Um, I don't want you to go look at the site. I want you to to go look at the site, figure out which piece you want, contact him, and buy a piece. They are affordable and they are amazing, and, and you have a story to go with them. And that's really kind of the the point. Um, and so Brian, before we close today, um, any final thoughts, any, any, you know, anything that, um, any particular instructions on how people can get a hold of you? Um, really the best way to get a hold of me is through Facebook or Instagram, um, through messenger on my personal page or my art page. Um, very easy to find. Um, I want to say uh, when you type in Orbium space, when you start to type in sky, then I pop up. Otherwise, it tries to upload a Orbit's gum. <laughs> <laughs> um, but really, it's, uh, those are the best conduits to get a hold of me. Uh, if you want to inquire about any work, um, prints or otherwise, I'm, I'm fortunate enough now that I have um, 55 prints of original pieces that I've done, Stonehenge included. And they're they're all wonderful quality works. Um, I teamed up with a, a photographer named Andy Lee um, and, and her photography page is Andy Lee Photography. Uh, she does amazing work. Um, it was one of the only ways that I could get prints done is to take professional high quality resolution photos of them, crop them and color correct them to match um, match the, the same color that you would get looking at the original. Um, in fact, they were all shot outside with natural light uh, just to make sure that we had the best color quality we could get naturally. Um, but really, uh, Facebook, Instagram, best way to get a hold of me to inquire about a piece. Um, as you said, you know, I try to stay affordable. Um, there there have only been a couple pieces that I've done that I set a very high price on. And that was only because I didn't want them to sell. I wanted to keep them. Um, Stonehenge being one of those, the original Stonehenge will be with me until I no longer breathe. (laughs) Um, It's one that I actually put, um, put a stamp on like, this is mine. This isn't going anywhere. This will always be with me. All the more reason to buy a print. Um, you know, I, I think people oftentimes, you know, want most of the things they can't have. And so this is an opportunity to, to have what you can't have. Um, Brian, thank you so much. I am going to play your song again on the way out the door. All right, man. Awesome. Uh, it was a wonderful time talking to you again. I can't wait for the next time. 